So you haven't heard the last of Ernest T. Bass. Why didn't they stop him from throwing rocks? Well, if you've seen some of the episodes, you know that Barney tried, Andy tried, but in this particular scene, when he is saying he hadn't had an opportunity to properly court uh, Charlene, he was going to properly court her, and when he throws the rock, then they can go to bed. And that's an interesting attitude. That's an attitude that David has in 2 Samuel chapter 16. And, and the question that I think is important for us to look at here today is, why didn't David allow the rock thrower and the cusser to be stopped? What did David understand about this situation that that caused him not to step in, not to allow his men to step in, and, and to let that process run its course. And so there are some times in the Christian life that we are called on to let the process run its course, to not stop it, to not get in the way. And so let's see how all this comes together. It says in verse 5, As King David came to Barm, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shemaiah, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murder, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zariah, demanded, Let me go over there and cut off his head. No, the king said. Who asks your opinion, you sons of Zariah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road and Shemaiah kept pace with them on a nearby hillside cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. 
The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way, so they rested when they reached the Jordan River. So all day long, basically what you've got is you've got Shemaiah throwing rocks, cursing, and kicking dust at David and his men. One against many. And David said, don't touch him. Let him go. Let him be. And so he gives us a piece of information here. He gives us a story to look at that says to us, sometimes we are not to do anything to rock throwers. Now, I think without question, there's going to be rock throwers. I think there's always going to be people that throw rocks at us. There's always going to be people that want to stop us. There's always going to be people that stand in opposition of us. There's always going to be people that think that we do not deserve what God has given us. And they're going to throw rocks. They're going to throw rocks. All right, now I've got a couple of things that might even wake up David Kubosh this morning, but we'll see. First of all, David doesn't stop the rock thrower because he says maybe he's right. Maybe the rock thrower is right. That's an interesting take on this story, isn't it? Now, the men with David, they've had enough. He said, I'll cut his head off. We'll stop this. We'll stop him from throwing rocks at you. He has no business throwing rocks at you. And David says, no, don't touch him. Leave him alone. Let him be. Why? Well, he could be right. Maybe he is right to throw rocks at us. Maybe I just need to take it. Maybe this is just what needs to happen. Sometimes we just need to allow people to throw rocks. Do you remember the little scene in, in, in Forrest Gump? When the young girl goes back home and she has all of her memories of how it was for her when she was a young child. And her and Forrest are standing out there in front of that cotton field and they're looking at that house. And she throws those rocks at those house and those rocks at those house and those rocks at that house. And finally she quits and Forrest says, I guess sometimes there's just not enough rocks. I think that's what David is saying here. If we spend all our time throwing rocks, we're not going to get anything accomplished. If we spend all our time getting even, we're not going to get anything done. We're not going to solve any of our problems. We're not going to solve any of our issues. We're not going to be able to move forward if we are spending our time focusing on the rock thrower. 
And so maybe it was right for the young lady to throw the rocks. Maybe it was what needed to happen. Maybe it was the best thing for the clan. Maybe it was the best thing for this young girl. And it could very well be that in your life, there are some rock throwers, and they may have the right to throw the rocks. Now, I'm suggesting to you that you can't throw rocks all day. Now, he did, but... You can't do it day after day. The rock throwing is going to stop eventually. So why not let the rock thrower throw the rocks until he's done? Let, let it be in God's hands, in other words. Another thing here that I think makes sense is David realized that his own son Absalom was trying to kill him. He says that. He goes, look, my own son's trying to kill me. You're worried about Shimea killing me. My own son is trying to kill me. And David is saying there, if we stop him, then I'm a hypocrite not to stop Absalom. And I think he kind of has that mindset that we see in Tombstone with Doc Holliday when Val Kilmer says, my hypocrisy only goes so far. We spend a lot of time with hypocrisy, thinking about it, chewing on it, acting on it, looking around at it. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Acting like we're someone different. That our game is together when it's not. Pretending that we are friendly when we're not. Pretending that we have all the answers when we don't. A hypocrite. An actor. A pretender. And, and David said, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I, I'm not going to stop the rock thrower when... Man, I'm, I'm just in the same kind of situation with my own son. It's hard for people who go through certain problems to be in judgment of people who are going through the same problems. Haven't you noticed that? If you make a list of your own problems, you are probably more likely to show show grace to the people that have the same kind of problems that you have. And that's what David does here. He goes, my own son wants to get me. I'm I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. And then there's something else here that doesn't need to be missed in verse 12. David knew the Lord had the right to handle this situation and to vindicate, to elevate, to exalt who he chose. That's what David says here. He says, you know, if we allow this guy to curse, and if we allow this guy to keep on throwing the rocks, if we leave this guy alone then perhaps the Lord will see that I'm being wronged 
and will bless me of these curses today. David had it in the Lord's hands. That's what David knew. That's what David understood. That's what moved David forward. You know people that know stuff, and you wonder why they do what they do. You know people that know stuff, and you wonder why they handle life the way they do. You have observed people that you have admired how they have pushed through in life, and you have seen how they've handled problems and struggles and, and trials and tribulations, and you have watched them for the long haul, hanging in there with their wife, with their husband, with their family, with their children, with their company, with their work, with all that they do, and, and you have set back and admired that and you have wondered how do they keep going how do they press forward how do they keep all this together well it's because they know something Bill Snyder of Kansas State knows something he knows something I don't know quite what he knows but I do know when I see him and I see his teams play on Saturday afternoons, I observe how they go about the game. I observe his manner. I see that his name is on the stadium. And I watch how his team plays year after year. And I've always come away with one conclusion. Bill Snyder knows something. He knows how to get the most out of a 4-8 receiver. He knows how to get the most out of an offensive line that's 40 pounds lighter. He knows how to get the most out of a quarterback that's not a good thrower. He knows how to get the most out of a quarterback that's a good thrower but's not a good runner. He knows what to do. He just, there's just something about that gentleman that's different. You watch him play a team that's, that's a lot better athletically. That's a lot better in talent. That's a lot bigger and stronger. And you don't see him getting pushed around. You see him have the ability to win with players that aren't as good as the other side time after time after time after time now he's not the national champion he's not in the top 20 every year he's he, he he's he's not you know Dabo Sweeney type right now he's not Nick Saban type right now but I promise you that Dabo Sweeney of Clemson and Nick Saban of Alabama, if you were to sit down with them and ask them, who would you like to play the least each week? I promise you they would say, well, I'd give serious consideration of Kansas State. Because Bill Snyder knows something. I think David knows something. I think he knows that the Lord is in charge. I think he knows that the Lord is going to do what the Lord wants to do, regardless of what David wants to do. I think David has walked with the Lord and he has worshipped with the Lord to the point that he has surrendered himself to whatever God's plan is.
I think he understood that just because we can stop the rock throwing doesn't mean we should. I think he knew that. I think he knows that at the end of the day, we're all guilty. At the end of the day, every single one of us has had an idol. Every single one of us has broken one of the Ten Commandments every single day. At the end of the day, I believe that David understood that. That at the end of the day, his scorecard was not blank. And he knew that there had been a time when he had an idol, that somebody was before God, that he was trusting in the wrong thing, that he was counting on the wrong thing, and he knew that he didn't handle the right situations. He knew that his thought life, life was messed up. He knew that he had had some, some coveting. He had had some false thoughts. He knew that he had had the wrong, wrong idea about his day. And so at the end of the day, I think David understood that we are all guilty. The evidence is clear. We have all been sentenced. And God has the right to smote each and every one of us right here and now. And I believe that that's true right here and now. I believe that God has the right to wipe us out now. To smote us right now. I think the evidence is there. I think we're idolaters. I think we have other gods before God. I think that sometimes we are our own God. I think sometimes we're in violation of the Lord's Sabbath. I think sometimes we're in violation of creating idols. I think sometimes we are our own idol. I think sometimes our children are our idol. I even think sometimes that our problems are our idol. And the evidence is there. The conviction is there. There's no question about it. God is the judge. And he has looked down. And he has seen the defilement of our heart. The darkness of our spirit. And he can, without any question, do away with us now. But he chooses not to. And David knew that and lived that. Isn't that an amazing thing about God? Every single one of us are guilty. Every single one of us has had another God before God. Every single one of us has committed the sin of idolatry. We have committed the sin of making an idol. We have committed the sin of not honoring our father and mother. We have committed the sin of lying. We have, we have committed the sin of lusting and cheating and adultery and bearing false witness. And yet, he keeps on loving us. And he leaves us be. I think David knew that. 
I think he knew not to throw the rock, not to stop the rock thrower. I think he knew it would work itself out. I think he knew that God was in control. And I think he knew the reason that he chose to worship God with all of his heart, with nothing held back, is because he knew that we were all guilty, yet loved and let allowed to let other people throw rocks and to go a step further Jesus was the reason for that hope and security he paid the price for our deserved punishment and David knew it was coming. He understood, I believe, that it was coming. He understood that it was coming. That absolute, complete grace was coming. And he was going to be a picture of that for the benefit of his people. And so he didn't stop the cusser, and the rock thrower. He knew. He knew. We either live in the past, we either live in the present, we either live in the future, or we live in eternity. Four choices. There are times when all four are right and there are times when three of these are wrong. There are times that we need to look at the past and learn from it. There are times that we need to be in the present. We need to be in the now. There are times that we need to be in the now. Now, Typically and normally and usually in every situation, when we are in the now, we need to forget about the past and let it go. Let the rock thrower go. Let the hurt go. Let the pain go. Let the mistake go. Let the misunderstanding go. Let the dream deflation go. Let it go. It's past. It's over. It's not coming back to us. Let it go. That's what we need to do in the present. Because the truth is, we can't move forward to the future until in the present we have said, I reject it. I let it go. It's no more. I'm not going to let the past haunt me. I'm going to live in the present, but not at the sake of the future. I'm not going to let the worry of the future get to me. I'm not going to let tomorrow's uncertainties get to me. I'm just not going to let the future win. I'm going to stay in the present. But I'm going to look forward to the future with faith. I'm not going to live tomorrow yet. 
I'm not going to worry about tomorrow yet. I'm going to stay in today. However, I'm going to look for tomorrow with faith. And when tomorrow comes, it will be my present. And we do that day after day after day after day. Forget the past, live in the present, and by faith look for the future. But the biggest mover and shaker and the number one thing is for eternity. That's what David knew. That's what David understood. David knew the past was going to haunt these folks. David knew the present time was going to be a problem. David knew that that rock thrower was a, not, was a nuisance. It says that his, he and his men, when they get to the Jordan River, they were weary and they rested. He was sick and tired of the rock thrower. You know, he says, well, just, just let him throw rocks today. I'm not living in the now. I'm not living in the past. I'm not going to let the now bother me. I can't worry about tomorrow yet. My faith, my belief, my trust, my focus is in the eternal. And if I make a choice right now that impacts Shemaiah's life and it impacts his tomorrow, I am going to impact his eternity. And I'm not going to allow that to happen. Your greatest anguish should be eternity. Your greatest worry should be about eternity. The thing that hangs you up the most should be about eternity. The thing that ought to grab you the most is about eternal life. You may be concerned about your neighbor. You may be concerned about your friend. You may be concerned about somebody at school. You're concerned about people you go to church with. That concern should be most anguishable when it comes to eternity. Because let's face it, when we die, and we're all going to die, the, 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 the woman from Tekoa, the bright, smart sage from Tekoa said, life is like water. You pour it out on the ground and it disappears. That's the way life is. You can't let the past eat your life away. You can't let the present be your nightmare. You can't let the worry about tomorrow be your big problem. You've got to let the rock thrower throw his rocks and cuss you out because you're set on eternity. Jesus has provided an eternity where there's no more pain there's no more worry. There's no more tears. There's no more hurt. Eternity. One day. One day compared to eternity is a ridiculous comparison. 
It's such, I can't even think of a good comparison. I've heard the grains of sand. I've heard all that. I've heard the stars of the sky. I've heard, you know, the little molecules of water compared that one little molecule of water is compared to the eternity of all the oceans. And it still fails it in to be able to accurately compare eternity to our day. That's what David knew. That's what kept him going. That's what kept him being able to get up the next day and put his boots on and move forward. That's what allowed him to handle the conflicts like he did. That's why he could walk out of Jerusalem crying and ask, where is Mephibosheth? That's, that's why how you could do that. It's because he knew eternity was out there and eternity was coming. And eternity was his. And he was waiting for it. And so all these things that are nuisances didn't grab his heart. Eternity is what grabbed his heart. And that's what the man knew. What grabs your heart? What's gra what grabs your heart? What, what really matters? What are you really focused on? What is your motivator? Where are you living? In your past? In the present? Are you living for tomorrow? Or have you made the best choice? Living for eternity. That's our choice, isn't it? Lord, I, I thank you that we've got a scripture here that David didn't allow the rock thrower to be stopped. That we've got a story that makes us wonder why. It makes us think about life. It makes us understand that David knew something, that David understood something that the other people with him didn't understand. And Lord, I, I'm thankful that I believe that this passage points us towards Jesus. Lord, I must admit that I learned more than I probably should have from the video with Ernest T. Bass. I learned he didn't quit. He kept on throwing rocks. He didn't give up. He thought he, if he got a uniform that he could find a girlfriend. He thought if he got a golden tooth, he'd find him a girlfriend. He thought if a girl knew, Lord, that he could do 20 pull-ups, that he'd have a girlfriend. 
And Lord, for some strange reason, the best way of showing his passion was throwing a rock. At the end of the day, Lord, it just seems like he just threw a rock. He'd grab a rock and break a window with it. It was like him saying to his world, all I can do is throw a rock. And Lord, that is heartbreaking. Lord, it reveals how we really are sometimes. It reveals, Lord, our mindset. It, re it reveals the positioning of our mind. My only option to be seen, my only option to be loved, my only option to be cared for, my only option to get your attention is to throw a rock at you. But you, oh God, are so gracious and so loving. You wait patiently until we understand that we can throw all the rocks in the world and we're still completely empty without you. May your spirit work. May it speak to us today. May we leave today just with a little more understanding of you and, and perhaps just the awareness that you allow rock throwing for an eternal purpose. That the time may not be understood. Tomorrow may not be understood but in eternity will be completely understood pray in Jesus name Amen